This is Shoulder Charge, a Rugby League podcast. I'm Casey Smith, and here's what's on the show this week. My guest is the Whitehaven second rower, Ryan King. He speaks about the strength of rugby league in Cumbria, last year's playoff finish, and why more Australians should give rugby league in the UK a go. It's all on Shoulder Charge, a Rugby League podcast. Let's get into it. Thanks for coming on the show. No, no worries. So, basically, how were you first approached to go to Whitehaven? Um, it started off with my agent was just kind of shopping me around in England. I thought my time was kind of up and I was playing reserve grade. I had a couple of bad injuries back to back and um, I was lucky enough to represent Italy for the World Cup qualifiers and that kind of got my name out there to come over to England and yeah, spoke like three or four clubs before um, Whitehaven came for me and, and I had to be honest, I just thought a small small town with a small team, um, I could try to be a, a, a big player in the, in the squad and um, try and make a name for myself and to be fair, it's probably the best decision I've made because I've kind of fallen in love with the town and I've been the boys of the team as well. So, it's, yeah, it's probably the best thing I've ever done. So, what's so good about Whitehaven then? Uh, it kind of reminds me back of my hometown of Wollongong, uh, back at Oz. It's just like, it's, Wollongong's a lot bigger, but it's kind of still similar. It's a big rugby rugby league community. It's um, Everyone kind of knows each other and... Um, I think that's one of the big things, especially with the boys in our squad. They're all locals as well, so it's it feels like we're together all the time. Like we do a lot of stuff together outside of rugby as well. So it's yeah, it makes it feel like a real community kind of side and family kind of area. Yeah, and a few of the early games were a bit of a mud bath. Let's say, um, have you ever played in like conditions like that before? Well, I've I've played in the mud before. Like it does rain a little bit in Oz, but. It, when it gets his chance, so I have played in mud, but um, no, when we played Barrow, it was hailing, and it was yeah. wind. I've never played that before, and I probably don't want to do that again. It was pretty painful, <laughs> but it was a good experience. Yeah, and so moving moving across over to England, then you know, pretty much starting a new life. Uh, what was it like? You know, like the first few weeks. Um, the first, it was pretty tough to be fair. The first couple of months because I. I signed, I can't remember what it was, and then like four weeks later, I tore my ACL. So um, coming over when it was COVID time as well, and I couldn't do any training, couldn't run or anything. It was just in rehab. It was, it was tough. I yeah, got a bit lonely, but um, I was lucky enough. I had Nick Al, who's still with us now, and Lock Walmsley is at Halifax. Um, they had two of my good mates that I got to live with and Dion as well. So. It kind of took my mind off all that, but um, and it made it a lot easier, especially coming with those two Aussies. Yeah, and do you miss anything that you probably don't get over here from Australia? Uh, the weather—that's probably yeah. a big thing. Um, obviously, my mum and dad and my family—that's a big thing for me. But um, now at the end of the day, they know that I'm here, trying to play rugby and try to play at the highest level I can. And um, I speak to them every day. I'm on FaceTime to them most of the time so it kind of feels like I'm still back home to be honest it doesn't feel like I'm missing out much yeah and traditionally uh, with Australian players it it would be like you know coming to the end of the career age 30 onwards and then 
trying it over in Super League or whatever. But obviously you're a, a lot younger than that, you know, starting out your career really. Do you think, would you recommend more people coming over? Yeah, 100% I would because obviously rugby league is so big in Oz. It's, you know, if you get a couple of back-to-back injuries like I did, you kind of get lost in the system. And to be fair, that happened to me. I kind of yeah fell away from the system. I, I did like rugby for a little bit, to be honest. And then, um, to be fair, coming to England was probably my last shot. And I kind of just thought, you know, might as well give it a go. You know, for one year and I didn't like it, I could go back home and play local or anything like that. But no, if I... If I had any advice to any young kid in Oz that could get a chance to come over to England or France to go play rugby league, I would, because I wish I did it when I was younger. I wish I did it when I was 20, straight after years. But um, no, I'm happy I'm here. I'm absolutely buzzing that I get to be in a different country to play rugby league. Yeah, and and you had a few, you had a spell at Sydney Roosters and Cronulla Sharks. Uh, what did you learn from being with them? Um, at Roosters was no, probably one of the top, I'd probably say, three or four clubs in the NRL. So uh, I learned a lot there. They were a big family-based kind of club and Trent Robinson brought that in when he came from um, from Super League as a coach. And, you know, he always, you know, he went from the top down, from NRL down to use, always spoke about, like, your 1% efforts and all that kind of stuff and working hard. So from there, I learned a lot about... Um, working hard on and off the field. And then when I went to Cronulla, it was a bit different. They were, they trained a, a little bit different as well, but it was kind of similar. And um, the Cronulla played a lot different rugby compared to Roosters. They played a lot of free-flowing footy and that's why I enjoyed most of Cronulla, that they just played eyes up and it was, but to be fair, at the end of the day, they were real similar clubs and that's why they've both been pretty successful in the past like 10 years. Yeah. and. Last year as well, a big surprise finish, for, you know, from the outsiders anyway. You know, many were saying you might struggle last year, but obviously you reached the playoffs just in the nick of time, let's say. What was it like, you know, being part of that squad? Yeah, no, it was great. Like, beginning of the year, we, we didn't click together straight away. It took a while. Um, but I think all of us in that squad last year knew that if... We held the ball, we played to our potential because we could see the training how good we were. It was just if we could do it on the field. And you know, once I think we all realised how good we could be, we you know, were living off a high for the rest of the year. We're like 10 from 11. So um, we just then said love playing with each other like on the field. And it was just easy. We are just turning up, doing all the hard bits together. And to be fair, at the back end of that season, it kind of felt, it didn't feel easy, but it felt like it was just natural the way we were playing. And, yeah, well, obviously shocked a lot of people making the playoffs and even shocked myself, to be honest. <laughs> and what do you think the main factor in that was, you know, going on that massive run? Um, I think from what we had Charlo and John T as our coaches last year, they were, um, they wanted us just to have fun, to be honest. At training, obviously, we always had a laugh. You know, if you came and watched us train last year, you probably thought that they weren't taking that serious, but... It's because I think we loved all being around each other and all we wanted to do was play rugby. You know, um, we're doing stuff outside of training, like I said, and um, you know, Jonty and Charlie just kind of said, just go out there and have fun. And to be honest, we, we did. We've, you know, if you saw the games last year, we were yeah. all smiling. Even, even if we were down, we were still smiling because we knew we were just having fun. Yeah. And ultimately, you lost against Halifax in the playoffs. 
but it was a big comeback because at half time, you know, you was a Halifax were well in the lead. But what happened at half time? What did the coaches say? Uh, Charlie just came in and kind of said, you know, that's not what we spoke about during the week and same with Jonty. And uh, they both just said, like, you got 40 minutes left of the season. No, uh, it was, we knew we could have, we knew we could score points. We always know that. Um, it's the same issue. We know we can. It's just the defending side of it. And, yeah, attitude just changed that second half. And, you know, once we get a roll on, I think we're on. But if we had an extra 10 minutes against Halifax, I think we get them, uh, or even five. But, um, Halifax are a great side you can't let them have a 16 point lead like we did last year it's tough to get back yeah you must have been gutted when the final hooter went oh yeah I was I was pretty down about that yeah. like I thought we could have got Halifax because we got them two weeks before at home and um, but no, we, we were just absolutely happy to be in the playoffs and you know, we had I think it was like five or six buses full of fans so it was Happy for them that they got to see us play some good rugby and they're absolutely stoked that um, we had that many fans come down just to support us. Yeah, uh, this year though we've got three Cumbrian sides including Whitehaven with Barrow and Workington coming up as well. Um, what does that, you know, I, I, do you relish the local derbies? Yeah, yeah we do. Like, I miss the Workington trial match when we played them at, at, at their home but um, you know, I've got the experience the Barrow one and that was everything everyone said it's physical but that no, it's good for Cumbria uh, Cumbria itself to have all three of us in the championship because this is uh, probably one of the biggest places for rugby league in England I think it's just not well funded I think like it's because it's so far away which is understandable it's hard with the f- football culture in England but um, no it's it's great because you want to be the best Cumbria inside especially out of Australia there's a bit of rivalry as everyone knows so no, it's, it's it's amazing to have a rivalry like this because you don't really get this back in Australia. Yeah, and what have you made of um, your performances and the club's performances this year? Um, I thought as a team we've been well. It's just our errors have been letting us down, and um, just little things that we know. Well, if we do, we do lose games, and you know, we've lost a couple this year. Where if we fix them up, I think we can win. Um, but as a team, we're, we're still gelling together us Aussies didn't come over till January so we still had a it was still pretty new when we started the season but you know, we're getting better each game each minute we're getting better so I can't complain and I think for myself I'm I'm just going out and doing my job whether it's you no know, carrying or making every tackle I can you know and if I know if, I know if I'm 100% and do my job right then you know, hopefully the other the rest of the boys follow yeah and John T. Goal is in charge this year. Gary Charlton stepped back from the head coach role. Has has he done a different approach, or has he kept things relatively similar to last year? Um, well, John T. always kind of had a say, even last year when he was assistant coach. Charlo was more of a, a, a Charlo more pumped us up for games than anything, and John T. was more of like the technical side of it. Um, so nothing's really changed, to be fair. We've got a strength and conditioning coach, Simon, and you know, two new assistants now, which probably changed up a little bit. But um, to be honest, Jonty's just kind of... He has gone his own way, but at the same time, we're still kind of similar to last year. But uh, Jonty's a great coach. and To be fair, it's, he's amazing. It's been good for us. So it's, it has been good. Yeah, and you're part of the it's Italy World Cup train-on squad, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, 
your Italian heritage then, where does that stem from? Uh, that comes from mum's side of the family. So my grandparents are born in Italy. Um, uh, obviously, my name doesn't really sound Italian. <laughs> fair, but no, it's yeah, my grandparents are full <laughs> Italian. And yeah, I was lucky enough that I could uh, get an Italian citizenship and passport. So it worked out really well for me. You, you played in that uh, game that got you to the World Cup, didn't you? The one against Spain. Yeah, yeah, played that in, in Italy against Spain, yeah. Yeah, what was that game like? Um, yeah, that was a tough game, to be honest. There were, I think we had a player set in the first half and it was a tough game, but um, no, we were, to be fair, we have a talented um, squad for Italy, so you know, it's always, always good playing for your heritage as well. So it, it was hard, but at the same time, we knew we could beat Spain. Yeah, and... Obviously, you want to get into the into the squad for this World Cup this year. Um, have Have you had many conversations with the coach, or have, has there been many like meet ups with the players? Um, yeah, I've had a couple of words with the coach. He's just kind of said to me, "If I'm playing well and I'm fit, you know, then I've got a good chance of being selected." So, I've, to be fair, I've just got to play play good for Whitehaven each week and concentrate on my my stuff here first before I worry about that. But um, you know, we've had a couple of meetings with the boys as well, and you know, from what I've seen in our squad for Italy, it's it's a competitive squad. So I have to be on my game for the rest of the year. Yeah, and obviously, if you do get the, uh, it's Australia in the group stage, isn't it? So you you must be looking forward to that. Yeah, that would obviously be tough. They're the best side of the world. They've got the best players in the world. So. It, Again, that would be like playing St. Helens here. It's a big challenge and something you you want to do. You want to play the best and you want to challenge yourself. Yeah. Who do you reckon then for the World Cup? Is it Australia's to lose? Yeah, it has to be a shot. You can't look past Australia. They, they're Latrell Mitchell, Turbo, Nathan Cleary. Uh, those three are just by themselves, I think, the best three in the world. So if they're on playing for Australia, uh, with like Victor Radley, Cam Murray, you know, then... They're very hard to stop, aren't they? Yeah. Um, in terms of like the game as, as a whole right now, especially in Super League and whatnot, with the referees, they're sort of clamping down on these high shots, late tackles and whatnot. With lo- loads of sim binnings and you know, even red cars this year, what do you make of the clamp down on those things? Um, obviously, I do think it's good because it's player welfare at the end of the day but they, I got the weekend or oh, yesterday it was hard harsh because we got Guy Graham red carded for it was a bad tackle but I didn't think it was a straight red and then there was a couple other incidences where it probably should have been yellow but I think it got uh, let go but everyone always gives a lot of grief to the refs and I'm probably one of them I trust me I gave a lot of grief yesterday but to be honest I wouldn't like to be in their position I wouldn't ref couldn't care less how much money you gave because it's a hard job and it's in the moment so it's hard to say it's because it, all refs have a different opinion as well of what's you know what's bad and what's good so you know, well, yeah I don't mind it uh, it it just needs to be all uh, uh, consistent with what the refs call in but yeah it's hard to say yeah are you going about the game any differently, you know? Is the is the squad doing tackles differently, or are you just being more careful? Let's say. Uh, it's it's hard. Uh, 
I think we have changed a little. You got to change a little bit. You know, the first couple of rounds, you had to see what the refs were going to do, and then you know we gave away a lot of penalties the first two rounds. So now we've realised what is a penalty, and you know we're sin bidding everything else. So I think not just uh, not just wide open itself. I think every team in England have changed a lot of a lot of ways how they tackle, or how they play as well, just so you don't give away the penalties. Do you think it were made clear like at the start of the season this were going to happen or was it like a bit of a shock? Uh, I, it kind of was clear, but you just don't know when you're in the game. You yeah. just don't know what the refs are going to do. Um, so, yeah, it, it was always going to take a couple of weeks, don't get me wrong, and I think everyone started to realise what what is a penalty and everything now, so what you can and can't do. So, yeah, there's no more excuses now, I don't think. Ryan King there, and thanks again for him for coming on the show. Interesting, just at the end there about the about the late tackles and the clampdown or whatever, because at the weekend watching the Challenge Cup, it seemed that they let a lot of it go, which they were punishing send uh, sim binning people. I don't think we saw many sim bins actually. I think Leeds did one, but they they can't stop being sim binned. It seems. Just awful at Leeds at the moment, and don't know what's up with them. It's similar with Warrington. I suppose it's strange because, you know, in the last few years the game has been speeding up. You know, we've had the six again rule brought in only a few years ago, and many were thinking, okay, maybe there's not much of a role for these big players, the big prop forwards, because, you know, the game is getting more intense and there's less time to rest and whatnot. We have seen the reintroduction of scrums, but I think that's only favoured the the faster players, really, especially when the space opens up. But this year, the the emphasis has been on can you move up that field and... If you've got some big guys in in the team, you're moving up that field a lot better and you're winning a lot more field position dominating the game than those who have sort of gone a bit lighter. So, you know, Warrington have not got the biggest of um, prop forwards and they seem to be paying the price for it. So it's an interesting way the game is at the moment. But I don't know know what they're going to do because, you know, they simply don't have a big forward players so what 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 do they do to rectify that but they're out of the the challenge cup now and for Leeds and Warrington it seems like the season's already over and it's barely even began but that's the way of the game isn't it it's mad god knows what Leeds do now because I think um Richard Agar was always a bit of a stopgap coach anyway and remarkable that he won the Challenge Cup with them, but they've just not been performing, have they? And they've, they've not had a response from Jamie Jones Buchanan either. I think they're going to have to get somebody in to ruffle a few feathers because whatever they're doing at the moment, it ain't seem to be working. But forget the Super League clubs because I think this weekend was all about the, the championship sides who put on a fantastic show Barrow could have easily won yesterday so unlucky you know I think 
towards the end of that game, they had like three back-to-back sets where they were just metres away from the Huddersfield try line and if they'd have scored one or two of those, they might have been in the lead. And the scoreline, 30 points to 16, doesn't really reflect it because Huddersfield did dominate, they made a lot of metres, but they didn't have much to show for it in terms of what they actually, the opportunities that they had. I think Barrow were brilliant. They did make a few mistakes. They would do the, the championship side, but Hakim Malude, T. Ritz and Jared Sammer, they were all fantastic. And I think all the all the Cumbrian sides put on a, a brilliant show as well. Whitehaven, they went toe-to-toe with St. Helens for mu- pretty much the whole first half. They, for the for twenty minutes, they were better. They were the better side. But you know, it's Saint Helens ultimately, and and they ended up winning comfortably. But you know, some fantastic performances and really showing the strength of Cumbria. Now the debate surrounds. Oh, we need we need a franchise of Cumbria in in Super League. I think I mentioned this on the podcast before when we're speaking to the Barrow Raiders chairman Steve Neal. I just don't think it'd happen because Cumbria is massive. You know, the distance between Workington, Whitehaven and Cumbria, uh, Workington, Whitehaven and Barrow, you know, it's not 15 minutes down the road. You know, it's really, it's really isolated place and hard to get to, you know, just for the local derbies, really. So you've got that issue already. You've got the fact that people are already supporting Barrow or Whitehaven or Workington. Just don't think it'd happen, and I don't. I don't think it'd get the fans that you know. We saw four thousand at Whitehaven. We've seen three and three and odd thousand Barrow just in the Challenge Cup this weekend, albeit because it was you know, the big Super League teams. But Barrow have really been working a lot on growing crowds and they've had some impressive numbers. You know, Steve Neal has already been on the show several times going on about how these extra crowds has helped in terms of signing the players like Haki Maludi and players like Jared Sammer. So I don't think it would work. And I think it's much better to have a, the traditional clubs, Whitehaven, Workington and Barrow, if they did come up, that would be much better than having some sort of franchise. What would that mean for the players playing for those three clubs? What you know? What if they did get promoted? I don't know how it would work. It don't. I don't think it'd ever get off the ground, and I don't think it'd be a good idea anyway. I think. If you do want to listen to what uh, Steve Neal had to say about that, I think it was episode 22 last season, um, titled League One's Promotion Race. It's, you know, he speaks a lot about the game as a whole. And, you know, it, it was back then when it was all about the league structures and whatnot. So it's a good, it's a good listen, that. Um, and pretty on message at the moment, I suppose. But yeah, um, all the championship sides did brilliantly. Uh, also, you probably listening to this, you already know the Challenge Cup, uh, the 1895 Cup draw has been done. The playoff game is Sheffield v uh, Whitehaven. 
repeat of last week's fixture where Sheffield won comprehensively. And then you've got Featherstone are playing Barrow. And Lee will play the the, the winner of the playoff um, game. Was kind of hoping for Lee and Featherstone to be in the playoffs, you know, to to sort of take it away from those two who were obviously the dominant sides in the championship, but it weren't to be. They, they're coming up quite soon, actually. I think it's week after this one. So, yeah. But that's pretty much it for this week. Um, join me again next week for another edition of Shoulder Charge. <laughs>